welcome to Three Things. My guest today is Kiki Wong. Kiki knows how to tell when you are lying. She's a forensic specialist who has built her career researching and understanding body language, microfacial expressions, and lie detecting. Previously working at New Scotland Yard, specializing in fingerprint analysis, Kiki later led the forensic team in one of the largest forgery cases in Asia, where more than 10 billion US dollars was in dispute. Born in Hong Kong, Kiki went to Britain to study and gained a degree in forensic science from King's College. Today, she and her husband run The Silent Company, the best name company I think I've ever heard, Kiki, um, which specializes in teaching lie detection using verbal and nonverbal skills in microfacial expressions, body language, voice tonality, and verbal response. As we said earlier, Kiki knows when you're lying. In these three things, Kiki will explain to us how spotting and understanding nonverbal communications increases success rate in sales, negotiations and relationships. We'll also discuss a couple of really interesting things, how to know or how to tell when your partner may be cheating on you and how to negotiate a pay rise at work. So it's a very busy agenda. So let's start by welcoming Kiki Wong. Thank you for joining us at Three Things. Thank you, Charles. I think the question most people would love to know more about, how do you tell when people are lying? Well, I get asked that question lots and lots of time because of what I do. I think basically for lie detection, we don't just look at what normally people think they look at, which is just, let's say, the body language. So many people say, oh, when people are lying, does it mean they can't look you straight in the eyes? Well, that's a myth. Okay, really? I can totally lie in your face. Okay. (laughs) And by looking in your eyes. Right, okay. So when we do lie detection, we spot what we call the Mm nonverbal signals, the nonverbal cues. So could you give us a couple of examples? Yes, definitely. So something like a single shoulder shrug. So if people listening now, if they do that single shoulder shrug, automatically you would feel you are not quite certain about something. Interesting. Now, that doesn't mean they are lying but it definitely means that they are not confident about what they're saying. And what else might indicate someone's lying? So aside from the nonverbal cues, we also must listen to how they answer your question. So such as what we call non-denial. So a straightforward question like a yes or no answer. For example, Charles, how was your trip to Las Vegas? Imagine I'm your wife. Yeah. And I ask that. I'm getting nervous already. I think uh, (laughs) my shoulder's going. (laughs) And um, you might just say, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Did you get a lap dance? No. So that would be a straightforward yes and no answer. Yeah. But if I asked you the same question about the lap dance, and then you suddenly just go, why would I get a lap dance? I didn't even have time. Do you know how busy I was there? That is when you think, hang on a minute. It really is a simple yes and no. Yeah. But they didn't answer you yes and no. So that's a non-denial, what we call. But also, I think subconsciously, because you know that you're lying, you have to give more information than you really have to. So if you are being untruthful, you're telling the bigger story. Exactly. So suddenly you're giving all these little details that really, if you were telling the truth, you wouldn't even think about telling the whole story. So suddenly the other person becomes very talkative, or they might become aggressive for no reason or defensive. So these are very classic telltale signs for someone who's lying. So this is part of your business. So Mm. tell us a little bit about a couple of the really interesting cases in your portfolio. 
Well, recently we had a client who had some troubles and they figured out someone internally had been stealing client details okay. and database. So what they did was to approach our company. Yeah. And that I felt was a very interesting case because we were able to pull together the forensic side of the investigation, mm -hmm. as well as what the silent company does, which is part of the lie detection. Mm -hmm. So for the forensic side, it's straightforward. We look at what evidence there was for who might have done this, looking at CCTV, computer, uh, login times, those kind of evidence. So that would be more the, the hard evidence, yes, the, the forensic exactly. side. The, the physical yeah. Yeah. evidence. Then we had to interview their department, who, mm -hmm. who was most, most suspicious. Mm -hmm. So we spent two days nonstop interviewing each of the employees in that department. And basically we had to record the whole conversation, right. but we were not interrogating them. We were just speaking to them and asking them how them And the million dollar question, did you identify the person who was the guilty party? I believe party? I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, but there was a bit more to that because of it course. wasn't as straightforward as uh, sending this person to the police and they had their own internal decisions to make. And I know that we've, we've, you've given us some great examples of when, how to tell when someone's being untruthful, but mm -hmm. did the person in this case, anything different that they were doing that made you quite suspicious of them? We were investigating the relationship between this person and the person who allegedly had the account used for stealing. Mm. So let's say A and B, for uh -huh. example. So A was B's boss, but B, in my belief, this person was the one who's done it. Got it. But this person used A's identity to do it. So, so it's we identity had to, theft yeah, so, in the work environment. So we had to investigate this person to make sure, did this person do it because he or she wanted to do it, mm. or was he or she asked to do it? So that would oh, be... So a degree of duress, potentially. Yes. Right. And then also the company was very interested, not so much who's done it, but the why. Mm. Why mm. did this person do it? And so th as a result of your work, do you think that you got the right answer for your client? Yes. Yeah. It mm. wasn't just a case of stealing database and selling it on. It was more of a bigger picture. So I'm going to give very short answers, mm -hmm. by the way, because I'm clear if I say too much that you're <laughs> going to think I'm doing something wrong. We're here to talk about three things. Right. And we always ask our guests, if you could go back to 21-year-old Kiki, mm -hmm. what's the first thing you would tell her? I think the first thing definitely I would tell myself that small things matter. Tell me what you mean by that. Small things matter. Well, this really built up because of what I do. And the more I realize and the more I see things, I realize really the small things do matter. So for example, if you were 21, you might think that odd spelling mistake doesn't really matter. Or that your hair wasn't tidy or your shoes weren't polished. It doesn't really matter when you're 21. But I think in reality, they do matter. Those small details, all that will build up for the purpose of having a better connection with mm -hmm. somebody, which mm -hmm. is majority of what I, what I teach people now. Communication is about creating that connection between people, but it's how observant you are and the little things do count. So the first thing is a small detail and pay attention yes. to the small details. Oh yes. I think a question that many people would be interested in is negotiating for themselves. Mm -hmm. So let's just take an example that there's someone listening to this who's about to negotiate a pay rise at work. Are there any s 
good bits of advice you can give from a non-verbal and a strategy point of view, uh, things that tend to work very well in that environment? I think definitely, again, it will bring back to the connection. I use this mm. word a lot. Mm -hmm. And I do truly believe everything that we do, it's about that connection. If you were to negotiate for a pay rise, mm -hmm. would your boss want to give you a pay rise if they didn't like you? Probably okay. not. Not so much anyway. When it comes to negotiation, it really works better if you are able to persuade the other person that you're negotiating with to like you. Now, through our body language, we can certainly do that. We can use something called mirroring. Okay, tell us more about that. Right, so mirroring would be, for example, Charles, I see you now, you have one arm up in front of me. Now, if I were to find a connection with you, if I were trying to build that connection, I would subtly, now I must stress mm -hmm. this word, we have to do it naturally. So it's not obvious. It's not obvious. So I would speak to you as I am now, And then slowly and subtly, I would maybe put my hand up. Okay. So that as if, Charles, you are now looking at a mirror, looking at yourself. Now, most people do like to look at something that's symmetry. And it just looks better. So if you are looking at me now... It's uncanny, because although I, although I know what we're doing here, it's you have that interesting feeling. how the mirror mm. is... I feel very comfortable. Yes. Yeah. And that's because most people like looking at ourselves mm. or even with mirroring, we don't just talk about body language. We can certainly mirror people's working habits, mirror their voice, their tone. So because you're quite an articulate person, Charles. So when I speak to you, I must be aware of my tone and how I articulate my words. Now, if it was someone else, then I might change my tone in order to feel that connection, at least to build it for the other person. So essentially, it's making the other person very comfortable. Oh, yes. So let's now move out of the workplace into the home. Are there any signs or anything people should be very aware of or suspicious of that might indicate your partner is being unfaithful to you? If you saw these signs in your mm. partner when mm. you're speaking to them, mm -hmm. whether they're lying or not, this is alarm bells for you to be aware of okay so these two micro expressions now i'm talking about yeah would be what you're looking out for okay so the first micro expression would be disgust if i just say imagine you open your fridge and inside there's a glass of milk that's been there for two years mm. so it's all moldy now and okay. it's just a sour smell <laughs> and you just open it and woof oh my goodness so that's now, the expression so the expression would be the crinkling of your nose really that you don't like something so uh, and that applies to another individual oh yeah possibly your partner yes right. so it could be discussed at the partner or it could be discussed at the actions that's done by the partner okay so crinkly nose crinkly is nose not a good thing it's not a good thing right. unless it matches the content if you're talking about some gruesome murder mm. or the disgusting smell then yes you would interesting expect that. so if it's out of context it's more worrying than if it's in context mm. so right. if you're talking about oh oh dear i love you so much mm. and then suddenly you saw the this disgust <laughs> in the other person's face then you might be thinking sure. what's going on so okay. that's the first that's one that's the first one and the second one is contempt 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 so contempt again is just one side of your lip moving upwards Really? Okay. So think of something. Does it matter or left someone. or right? No, it, it doesn't matter. Side. So like and a sneer. Yeah, almost. or yeah. a bit of a when you act a little bit sarcastic, maybe like mm. <laughs> yeah, right. He knows what he's <laughs> doing, and then you will have that slight contempt, and you will see that on TV. And then we saw yeah. a lot of that last year. Yeah. 
especially with, let's say, the main people that you do see on TV, like politicians mm-hmm. or people arguing a case, you will see that in contempt. So if you see both contempt mm. and disgust in your partner, even though that person may not be lying to you, definitely that is something is not, is not going well. You have to address it. Big alarm bells. Oh, yes. Yeah. Tell me about the eye roll. Because that's something I think a lot of people... I think I just did that to you now. <laughs> I think, <laughs> no, I think I was um, doing it more to feel what you meant about the but, eye roll. Uh, well, let's do a practice eye roll that no one <laughs> will be able to see on this podcast. <laughs> no. uh, but I think that it's... We see it at work and we see it at meetings. And I, my takeaway, and you're the expert, not me, but I don't think it's not a good thing, no, an it's eye roll. Not. <laughs> so tell us why an eye roll is not a good thing. It's not a good thing because when we, when we look at body language or any kind of gestures... Um, at the beginning, what we do is we just separate it into positive or negative. So with the IRO, what you say is not a good thing, then what we would classify that as a negative body language. Right. Okay. Now, it's not good because it's basically, instead of me saying, oh, my God, yeah. I can't believe you just said that, yeah. I just do it with my eyes mm. because I physically cannot sometimes voice it out. Mm. So that is the beauty of being able to observe body language from people because our minds do work that way. You think about what you want to say and then the emotional brain is there right. to kick in, to make yeah. you move yeah. a certain way and feel a certain way. And then the rational brain kicks in. Then you'd be thinking, ah, oh, I can't really show that to the person. Okay. Then I better hold back and not say anything. Key then is to look out for things that might be micro expressions. Yes. They might be there for a fraction of a second. Yes. But being able to identify them can be invaluable in really understanding what the other person is thinking or feeling. Yes, micro expressions, that's exactly it, because it's universal. We're now at this part of the show where we're going to ask you about your second thing. So if you could go back in your time machine and pass on the second piece of advice to 21-year-old Kiki, what would that be? Definitely control the controllables. Okay. Have tell you heard of that before? I have not. So tell, oh, tell you us okay. no, Tell us more. Control the controllables just mean that don't fuss or don't react so hugely at things that you cannot control. I can remember getting frustrated or angry at the small things. But now, if you think about it, all those feelings that you feel towards the, the issue, if you really cannot control it, why get so frustrated? Mm. I believe once I start telling myself this, many things just go away. Kiki, in your career, one element that really jumped out at me was you work with Scotland Yard uh, and the Metropolitan Police. Tell me what you were doing and tell us a little bit about a day working at Scotland Yard. And I really enjoyed the time there because uh, especially when I was attached to the homicide team, so with the Metropolitan Police, they dealt with all the crimes within London. I was in charge for all homicide cases for the South East London. So what were you actually doing as part of that work? So my day-to-day job is actually a little bit boring and it's definitely not what you'd expect from what you see So it wasn't TV. blue lights? No, it wasn't, unfortunately. Jackets, jumping we just, out of we helicopters. We just sit there at the table and we get cases handed to us and we have to look through the, the fingerprints day in, day out. Okay. But I do enjoy that because we get challenging cases, Mm. uh, such as the fingerprints that we get, they are not always a full fingerprint. So it's not all beautiful, like what you see on TV. We can get little bits of fingerprint. So what do you do with that? How can you then make a little bit of a fingerprint useful? First of all, we have to see if it is 
good enough quality for us to do anything with it. Mm. So if it's really too small to do anything, then we'll just have to say it's insufficient. We can't do anything. But if we think there are details enough there, then we just have to really have a good look at it, first of all, to determine whereabouts it came from. Would it be a finger? Would it be a palm? Mm. And And the work that you were doing, did that then result in making cases against individuals who'd committed the homicides, presumably. Yes, and yes. your work then resulted in prosecutions, imprisonments, and resolution of the, of the case. Yes, I mean, that's the, that's the basics of it. But I also had to deal with identifying bodies that we didn't know who it was. So one of my Actually own first cases... physically identifying. Yes, so what, what I did for my very first case going to the mortuary was to fingerprint someone who's died, someone who was murdered, actually. Uh, I remember that, that case very well. It must have been harrowing. It was, it was. That, that is un- something that 99% of people will never, yes. ever have to do. And I remembered that very well because it, w- it happened in Christmas. And the, the person who was murdered was murdered by Santa Claus. So that's how they said it on the newspaper, murdered by Santa Claus. So when I went in there, I had to take that fi- the fingerprints from the person to try and help to identify who he was so that at least we can let the family members know that this is the person. Um, so we don't always just deal with I'm crimes. really lost for words, Kiki, but <laughs> that's quite a story. And was the Santa Claus murderer identified and yes. arrested? Yes, so we found out who the murderer was and we also helped identify the dead body that was found. So that was a great case. Kiki, something that is common to everyone these days is social media. And from what you know about uh, personal behavior, nonverbal communications, is there anything that you've noticed in social? And I'll just share one observation very quickly. I, I always find it fascinating about the way individuals portray themselves on social media. Some people show the family, some people show a mountain, some people show themselves or their pet. What should we know about what we're saying on social media by how we use imagery? This is a whole new topic that I can, again, go on for days about. (laughs) With social media, I personally like to look at the profile photo that they use. And what does that tell you? It can tell me what type of person they are, because sometimes we actually use this information in business sense really? to help us. Okay. Because, we, again, we had a client once, and I had his mobile number. And you know on WhatsApp, yeah. we also put our own profile photo mm. on it. So we discovered that on his profile photo, he had the, the flash of the flash, you know, the lightning bolt of yeah. the flash. So we thought, ah, oh, he must be the flash fan. Otherwise, he wouldn't have it. So we just kept that to ourselves. And then in the meeting, we were able to use the flash as a talking point. And then he immediately lit up with his eyes big. Oh, so you like it as well? And then we said, yes, we do. And again, that helped us build the connection between us. So are there any watch outs or anything people should be cautious about in terms of imagery? So is there anything that you see as quite a negative, anything that is a red flag for you? I do see on on social media people's relationships because you asked me how can you tell if a spouse is lying I mean on social media I'm able to spot those people who are actually not very confident in their relationship and how do you do that that is fascinating I tend to see people who overdo it again it's like over offering information when they don't need to now you can say I love you as much as you want on social media but 
do you really have to put it all out there for the mm. whole world to know when I really know their relationship is not good at all? And I'm seeing this pattern there. So, Kiki, we're, we do know that you've worked on some very significant uh, fraud cases. I, th- I believe even that included the 10 billion US dollar Nina Wang case. I know we can't talk too much about that, but there's a case that we were discussing earlier that really interested me, which is when a client approached you who had been accused of inappropriate behavior, and he asked you to examine his mobile phone. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that case and why you decided not to proceed in any great detail. Right. So it was a pretty straightforward thing that we had to do with the client. So he approached us with his mobile phone, asking us to see if we were able to retrieve deleted data because he was accused of inappropriate behavior with somebody. So he wanted you to really endorse his phone, essentially. Yes. So he wanted us to find out what was on his phone and what had been deleted. So we processed the phone very quickly. But before we processed it, we always have to check that the phone belongs to To the individual. individual. So simple question, does this phone belong to you? So you asked him that straightforward question. Yes, yes. So if I ask you that question, Charles, does that phone belong to you? I would say absolutely. So that was simple. But for this client, we saw not just the nonverbal, but the verbal, the way that he answered us for such a simple question. Mm. He took a while to answer that yes. What, just to say Just that to it's say my yes, phone. that's my phone. Wow. So that was already... Did that set off alarm bells? Oh, yes. And then we saw the nonverbal side linking with the verbal response. So if you remember, I was saying with lie detection, we don't just look at mm. the one thing. We yep. have to listen to the verbal. It's the pattern. It's a pattern. So with this person... He showed me the single shoulder shrug and also with the way that he answered it, that basically tied it in congruently, funny enough. It was congruent, meaning it matched. So the way he answered and the body language showed to me I had to take more care about dealing with this case. So what did you do then? So I processed this phone and we quickly very found out that within the phone there were personal details, very personal details of other people's details that didn't belong to him. So it wasn't his phone? So it wasn't his phone. But that very interestingly tied up with what we saw in the initial meeting with him because he actually was lying to us. Mm. So we thought, okay, it's not a good case to to take on board. We spoke a little bit earlier about um, your business, which is called The Silent Company. Tell us... Because we, I, the reason you and I got to know each other is I read an article in the South China Morning yes, Post yes. about what you do, and I, I instantly reached out to you. Describe a typical day. Who comes to you for help at The Silent Company? I would say majority of our clients are corporate companies. In Hong Kong? In Hong Kong, globally? yes, yeah. in Hong Kong. But we also do coaching. I'll give you an example. Recently, we had someone approach us. His daily job was to find investors, like angel investors. Okay. So he's a venture capitalist. Based in Hong Kong? Or? Based in Hong okay. Kong. So what he wanted to learn was how to be able to connect with people and communicate better online. So Zoom calls. Zoom calls, yes. Which we all have to do these Exactly. Days. So he found it difficult. He was very confident in person and he thought he had no problem pitching and mm. selling what he does. But when it came to online, he felt 
he just lost that confidence. He didn't know how to communicate. He didn't know where to look. He didn't know how to set up. So we worked on that. But we actually found one bad habit or right. one, oh, I guess, really? natural okay. habit that yeah. he had and he never realized it. Okay, what was so, that? First of all, when I met him for the very mm. first time, I realized that he had a very bored looking face most of the time. So expressionless. Expressionless. Right. And which is not a great look. Which was very if worrying you're for trying me. Trying to convince for, someone for me, yes, for to me, hand over some cash. Especially I was trying to pitch him what I do. He just had this boring face. Do you think he was aware of that? Now that was the question. Right. So okay. whilst I was whilst I was presenting to him I thought oh my god he's so bored mm. so I saw that in his in his face then I quickly finished what I had to do and then at the end I asked him I, I, I do have to ask you this question you did tell me you were very interested in understanding body language and what we do was it something that I said in the presentation that just it didn't made you look like yeah, exactly. you didn't want to be there then he went oh no I was really interested so interesting I was listening to you yeah. and I went really well what I just saw there mm. it was totally the mm. the opposite and he went really and I went ah that is one thing that maybe he was never aware of mm. looking bored in his business if he's trying to persuade someone to act excited but he has that bored look Hmm. It didn't help. Tell us what active listening is all about. Well, my understanding or what I would say active listening is, is just how you can listen, mm -hmm. but you have to show people that you are listening. So what kind of things do you have to do? Things to like show nodding, people, nodding right? your head, which, which we're I'm both doing, doing now. now. We're, we're both doing, doing now. the same thing. <laughs> uh, smiling. Mirroring. Sorry. Smiling. Yeah. Smiling, nodding, and maybe voicing out, uh-huh, all right, mm. yes. So just letting the other person know yes. that you're listening and exactly. you're engaged with what they're saying. Yes. Presumably, this applies as much in your personal relationships as in your professional relationships. Mm -hmm. So if one's going on a date, you want to look like you're interested in what the other person yes. has to say. Yes. Because we've all been in these environments I really where you think, say, this I is really the first think, you know, and last time we're going to meet. I really think I meet. should open a class <laughs> or a training course for people who want to know more about how to date better. I think you would be oversubscribed beyond <laughs> your wildest imagination, actually. Because it's a very interesting topic, although I'm married myself. Yeah. But when it comes to dating and how let's, you should let's act... Let's you and I set up a the dating date group. doctor. <laughs> we'll call it HK Date Doctor, right? Dot com, sign up, right? The first 50 guests are free. Um, I think you're onto something there. I think that could be really something. I just literally did a training course two days ago. It was to a group of young people. Yeah. And then one girl did ask me, can I just ask you on the Q&A? She's like, I've got a question. I said, okay. How can we tell if someone is really in love with you? Wow. That, so she I, asked me that. I think everyone listening <laughs> to this right now has put their coffee down and is absolutely... Well, I'm not going to tell you the answer. You oh, have to come oh, and find me. That's not fair. You, that is not fair. Too many, so two or three advice here now. So do you think you could... I mean, I, I respect the fact you're not going to tell us because you're saving that for your next business, which is Dr. Kiki Wong dash date doctor. But what is... Do you think you know the answer to that question? There is no quick answer, unfortunately. Okay. I'll be very honest. Sure. There we is, might, we might there have to is do two no, episodes. Just Kiki. like with lie detection, sure. there is no such thing as a human lie detector. Yeah. You can only... Are there patterns, though? There will be patterns. Yeah. 
And it is also about how well you know the other person. Okay. So again, bringing back to the small things matter, bringing back to your observation skills, mm. which is all very useful. And if you can learn it when you're young, I would highly recommend it. That's, That's why my youngest client or my youngest yeah. class, I've had a nine-year-old really? in my class before. Because they, they do know what observation is, mm. but you just have to make them realize this is what they have to do. So cannot believe how fast time is going. Let's talk about your third thing. Okay. So we've covered a tremendous amount. Yes, we have. But we're here in, 20, we're here in August 2021. And we're going back to talk to 21-year-old Kiki. Yes. So what is the third thing you would tell her? The third thing would be don't be afraid to try and fail. Okay, tell me what you mean by that. (laughs) No, that sounds interesting. What does that mean? I think with the younger generation, especially when you have just finished your education and you are maybe job-seeking, don't be afraid to try something that you think you want to try, but you think you know what, I probably won't try it because I'm not very good at it or I'm going to fail. Because I truly believe all the bad experiences that we experience, there will be a valuable lesson that you learn from that bad experience. Mm. So looking ahead, what next for The Silent Company? What, what are your plans for the future? Oh, we have so many plans ongoing. And unfortunately, it's just well, you've got one the, pair of You've hands. got the date doctor business, obviously. <laughs> I've got the date doctor. That's, that's going to be huge. Uh, I think because of the summer period, yeah. we have been exploring and kind of getting more involved in the education business, mm. which I'm passionate about because okay. I have two sons of my own. And I just feel, I really do think they should start young. So when you say education, this is actually taking your business, if you like, the the training that you provide, but to a younger generation. Yes, yes. And is this something you'll do in partnership with schools or you yes. do it privately? Yes, so recently it's uh, both actually, privately and schools. So I do believe they should start young and I know they can learn it. So that's one thing. But uh, I am also building my portfolio for coaching Okay. clients so if anyone's interested sure to come and think, well, chat with me your then website personal coaching is on the notes and it's the silentcompany.net kiki we're almost done thank you tell me before we say goodbye tell me what you do when you're not analyzing people's nonverbal communications <laughs> what do i do what keeps you happy what keeps you amused what does the other side of your life look like my family uh-huh so my two sons I will mention my husband. Okay. He does help me a lot. <laughs> so thank you, Anthony. <laughs> Family time is very important yeah. to me. Because you work, extre- I mean, like many people, you work extremely hard. Okay. Yes, and I deal with very serious issues sometimes. And mm. I do believe family is very important for the support. Mm. But also, I love to sing. Wrapping up, we always ask our guests one final question. And that question is, what is the one thing that you could not live without? And it can be anything. But what is your... We've spoken about your three things. Now, what is your one thing? Right. I love that that you asked this question, Charles, because I have listened to all your previous podcasts. And (laughs) every time you ask that question, I ask ask that question to myself again. (laughs) And finally, I think I've chosen one thing that I can't live without, and that would be humor. Okay. What does that look like to you? Humor to me... I think that's one reason why I chose my husband as well. (laughs) (laughs) He's a funny guy. Okay, good. He keeps me happy. And um, I do believe that everybody just needs to relax and laugh more. 
And you would be amazed that if you can be silly sometimes mm. and just enjoy yourself more. And it's from what I've, we've been discussing, it sounds like much more than the smile itself is yes. a very important part of getting through life because it shows the other parties that we're in. That is something that I always mention in my training every single time. The most basic positive body mm. language, the positive thing you can do, mm. smile. Mm. People know it. I mean, we have people sure. nodding now, but yeah. really, do you do it We enough? are nodding, by the way. Yes. <laughs> um, Kiki, I'm going to say thank you. Uh, we've had a great, really interesting arc of conversation. You, we've ended up with the importance of humor. We've listened to your three things. Thank you. Um, I just want to say, uh, on behalf of everyone at Three Things, Kiki Wong from The Silent Company, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you again for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Kiki Wong. Absolutely fascinating three things. Very pleased to confirm our next guest is a global leader in the world of cryptocurrency. Whether you are a believer or a skeptic, you can't ignore the impact of digital assets and how they are changing our world. It will be a great show and the chance to hear from an expert about what we can expect from Bitcoin and others in the next few months. If you would like more information about three things, the team or our guests, please contact us at hello at three things.asia. As always, thanks for listening and I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. See you soon from all of us at Three Things. Thank you.